You know, that's one of my favorite Christmas carols. O come, you come, Emmanuel. It's kind of dark. It's slow. That word Emmanuel means God with us. It's this plea. God, would you, would you come and would you be among us? We're, we're tired of being separated from you. I love the last verse. I'm gonna put it back up on the screen if we can. The last verse of the song. We just sang this, but sometimes when you sing a familiar Christmas carol, it kind of goes over your head a bit or you're not really thinking of the words. But just look at these words. It says, O come, desire of nations bind in one the hearts of all mankind. Bid thou our sad divisions cease and be thyself our king of peace. Isn't that something we all long for? That our sad divisions would cease all over the world. And don't we long for that? Don't, don't you wish, don't you just long for that? All the, all the political junk would just stop, you know, all that division or all of the different things that we find to divide ourselves, whether that might be through race or gender or other ways that we find differences amongst us and we create these divisions. Don't we just wish that would just all go away? Or maybe it's even conflict in your family. Divisions amongst loved ones. You know, it's Christmas time and sometimes these, when we're getting together with loved ones and friends and family, sometimes it just reminds us of all the division that we have with the people that we love. I think that's something we all long for, that these divides would stop. But I have a question. What is the cure for division. I'm gonna tell you a story. If you've uh, been around Grace Hill, you've probably heard me tell this story before because uh, I just think it illustrates the point so well. But, you know, several years ago, I was pastoring at another church and we had done a lot of ministry in this little slum uh, called Persin, which was in the town of Pettiguav in Haiti. And we had sent lots of teams down. I went there many, many, many times. And it was just great to get to know these people and minister in their midst several times a year. Well, one year, it was January 2010, we sent a team of college students down there. And I wasn't on this team, but I was the one organizing the trip. And I wasn't going down. But while our team was there, an earthquake hit, killing 100,000 plus people in Haiti. Now, praise God, our team was outside when it hit, so they weren't injured in the earthquake, but they were very close to the epicenter. So they were staying on this compound, but all the buildings were destroyed. So they couldn't go inside. They had no place to sleep. And in the slum that we serve, Persin, all of their houses were destroyed. All of their shacks and all of those things, they were gone. So they had no place. It was a really scary situation. It was interesting. So you have these two groups of people in this situation. You have this group of college students from America, they're educated by, by the world's standards, they're wealthy, and they're here serving the poorest of the poor inside the poorest nation on the Western Hemisphere in Haiti. I mean, these people had nothing. So there was a lot that divided them, right? I mean, culture, language, economics, education, all kinds. They loved each other, but there was a lot of differences between these two groups of people until that 
earthquake hit. All of a the sudden, they were the same. They all needed shelter. They all needed food. They all needed water. They all needed security as all of the systems and all the infrastructure broke down in Haiti. They all were scared at the dozens and dozens of aftershocks. So what happened was they slept together. They banded together. They took care of each other. They held each other through all of the aftershocks. And so it took us about two weeks to get our team out of that country after the quake hit. It was just crazy. And um, we had to charter a boat. We had to charter a private plane to get them out of that country. And I'll never forget flying down to Fort Pierce, Florida, the little airstrip down there, where this plane that we chartered was landing to pick up the team. So I picked the team up, and we went to a hotel to spend the night. And I remember just talking to the team, debriefing. And one of the things they told me was as horrifying as the experience was, one of the joys they experienced was this new unity they had with the people of Percent. This camaraderie, this family-like bond that melted away all of the divisions between these two groups of people. What is the cure to division? having a common need. See, when you have a common need like our team and the people of Persin, like they had a common need, all divisions melt away because at the end of the day, you're the same. No one's superior, no one's inferior. We all need the same thing, so we're all looking to the same solution for our need. And I believe that all of us as humanity have a common need. And I believe that there is one solution to that common need. And if everyone would just humbly confess and accept that need and accept the solution to that need, then I think all divisions would cease, as we just sang about. Here's what I think our common need is. This is my opinion. I think that we all are carrying around shame. I think that's our common need, a solution to our shame. What I mean by shame is this gut feeling inside of us, this small voice in our head that says, you are not the person you ought to be. You ought to be better than you are. Right? And if we're honest, when it comes to our self-talk, most of us don't like who we are, and we wish we could change who we are. You know, I mean, we could just go down the list. You know, I don't like the way that I look. I don't like the way that my body looks. I don't like my personality. I wish I was more outgoing. I don't like the habits that I have. I wish I could break some of those. I don't like the skills and the talents I had. I wish I had other skills and, and other talents, uh, I wish I made more money or was more successful. Uh, I, I wish I was passionate about something important like all the people on Instagram are. They're all passionate about something. I wish I was passionate about something. I wish I had a stronger faith like all the people at church. I wish I was consistent that when I said I was gonna do something, I would do it like exercise 
or read my Bible or do yoga or whatever it is. I just, I wish I was somebody different. And, and the other thing is, is that, so a lot of, we just don't like who we are. We wish we were different. And then a lot of us, we're just carrying around a lot of shame over things that have happened in the past. Just guilt. You know, it's like that old saying, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle that you know nothing about. And I think that's true. Everyone is carrying around shame. Our souls are not healthy, and this is our common need. And here's the thing. We spend our lives trying to fix this. Or we spend our lives trying to ignore it or prove it wrong or, or do something so grand and so amazing that we don't feel that anymore. We try to find this cure. So we spend our lives trying to fix this shame. It's like we have a vision of who we wanna be. We set these goals and we think if I can achieve those goals, if I can achieve that vision, then the shame's gonna go away. I'm not gonna feel it anymore. And so we'll spend our lives doing things, trying to be successful to reach that vision or fight for good causes and advocate for things to get to that vision or we'll be all about you know, self-help and self-care and being healthy and not eating anything bad or whatever it is, trying to reach this vision of this person that we wanna be. And here's the thing, all of those things are amazing things. It's great to have goals. It's great to have a vision of the kind of person that you wanna be and try to get there. The problem with it is getting there won't cure the shame. Getting there, that's great. It's good to have purpose and meaning and direction of life, but it's not gonna do anything to the shame. The shame will still be there once you reach it. In fact, what happens is we reach it and then we're even more ashamed of ourselves because we still feel it and we don't know why. And it creates more division because what's at the heart of division? It's, it's comparison. I wanna be like that person or I wanna show myself as better than those people. Division, it's, it's fueled by shame. And we need a cure for this. And I believe that when the angels announced to the shepherds in the field, in Luke chapter two, the birth of Jesus, I believe that they announced the cure. We just read Luke two together. The story of the birth of Jesus and these angels coming to the shepherd in the field and announcing this to them. And look at what they said. Luke 2, verses 10 to 11, they said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. This is for all people. It's not just for the Jews. This is for all people. It's not just for the rich or the poor. It's for all people. It's not for just one group of people. It's for every single person on the planet. The angels are announcing that this Savior, Jesus, is good news to all people and can bring great joy to all people. He is the cure to our common need that brings great joy. He's the earthquake that helps us to understand what our true need really is. And he fills it. You know, it's Jesus who said this in Matthew 11. He said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. You've got this burden of shame on your back. 
You've got a goal to be a different person and you are exhausted trying to get there. Come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle, lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Rest for your soul. Forgiveness for everything that you've done wrong. A fresh start. The gospel says that Jesus can actually make you new. Eliminating your shame. Saving grace and mercy. This is why we celebrate Christmas because the coming of Jesus as our savior is good news of great joy for all people because God has met our greatest need in and through Jesus. But we have to come to Jesus with that need and look to him to fill that need. And so tonight, here's how I hope that we respond to this simple truth. To some of you in the room, I hope this is a reminder But to all of us, this is an invitation. For those of you here today who trust in Jesus as your savior, you believe in Jesus, you follow Jesus, I hope that that's just a good reminder for you this Christmas season. You know, in in Luke 2 that we just read, after the angels appeared to the shepherds in the field, The shepherds quickly made their way over to Bethlehem to see Mary, Joseph, and Jesus to check everything out for themselves. And and look at what they did. Look at this, Luke 2, verses 17 and 19. It says, and when they saw it, they arrived, Jesus in the manger, Mary, Joseph is there. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They told Mary and Joseph about what the angels just said. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, but look at this, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And as you're reminded tonight of why the birth of Jesus, it's good news of great joy, I pray that you'll take time over the next week to treasure and ponder the reality that Jesus came to take away our shame that you will remember the solution to your shame, that rest for your soul, that true joy is is only found in Jesus and that you will look to him for that and nothing else. I pray that you will be like Mary. You'll treasure these things this season. But for all of us, whether you believe in Jesus or not, I wanna invite you on a journey towards understanding more fully how Jesus takes care of our shame. Even if you're a follower of Jesus, sometimes it takes a journey for us to understand how Jesus actually does this for us. You know, if you go to the end of the Gospel of Luke that we've been reading from, there's another announcement by an angel that Jesus is alive. Right, so we just read angels announcing the birth of Jesus. He's alive, he's here, Jesus is here. But at the end of Luke, if you go all the way to to chapter 24, an angel announces to a group of women that Jesus had been risen from the dead. 
You know, Jesus just went to the cross to die. He was buried in a tomb and now he was risen. And so an angel appears to these women to tell him, Jesus is alive. And so these women do what the shepherds did. They run to go find the disciples to tell them what the angel just told them. And look at how the disciples respond. Luke 24, verses 11 to 12. It says, but these words seem to them an idle tale. And they did not believe them. But Peter rose, ran to the tomb. You know Peter. He's always the guy that's like, I gotta check this out myself. Ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened. Now for some of us here, this whole Christmas story about Jesus, virgin birth, He's the son of God. He's God and man at the same time. To, to some of it, it's like a fairy tale. Like, really, do we believe this? But I encourage you. I encourage all of us here today. Let's be like Peter. Let's investigate. Let's take a look for ourselves. Let's see if Jesus really is good news of great joy for all people. Let's go see if Jesus really is good news of great joy for me. So what I wanna do is invite you to keep coming back to Grace Hill because we just started a sermon series in the Gospel of Luke. In the Gospel of Luke, it is a historical record of the ministry and the teachings and the life of Jesus. And so we're gonna investigate what Jesus said, what Jesus taught, and what Jesus did. And we're gonna investigate how Jesus takes away our shame. And so if you're here today and you're wondering, how does Jesus take away my shame? Or I don't even know if I believe in Jesus. I encourage you to come, be like Peter, and take a look for yourself. Don't make a judgment about it like the disciples did and just go, oh, that's a fairy tale and decide you're not gonna investigate. Come take a look for yourself because Jesus is the answer to our common need and that's why he came to us on that first Christmas evening. Let me pray for us. God, I have a very simple request Tonight, as we close our service, singing several songs about the birth of Jesus, God, I pray that this would be a moment where we could be like Mary, where we're just treasuring these things, that Jesus, you came to save us, you came to rescue us, you came to take away our shame. So God, don't let this Christmas season go by too quickly without us treasuring that reality. But God, I also pray for all of us, would you embark us on a journey of what that actually means, that Jesus can take away our shame? Because it is Jesus, and it's only Jesus who's gonna cure the divisions of the world. It is Jesus, and it's only Jesus who can take away our shame. It is Jesus, it's only Jesus who can help us to understand that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and we don't need to be a different person. 
And so God, show us, help us to treasure this truth. We pray that you'd be glorified as we end our time praising you for sending your son to save us. In Christ's name, amen.